0: Hello, Gonchers. I'm Lauren Chippen, a professional writer who once saw Goncharov on the big screen at a, uh, an LA film festival. What a privilege. Yeah. What
1: a privilege Feel really to lucky. see it on the big screen, yeah. Lauren. I'm Cherokee McNally, head of entertainment at Tumblr who has watched Goncharov more than 10 times, unfortunately, never on the big screen, adding that to the bucket list. Absolutely. (laughs) You got to do it. You're such a gonch head. (laughs) And this is
0: Dashboard Diaries, a podcast for you, the folks who are in this internet bunker with us. We talk about what's going on in our favorite health site, get into what we like to call Tumblr, do phantom deep dives, and share the times when we've gone feral over a new ship. And today, we are having a hefty 50th anniversary conversation about Gontroff. That's right. It's been 50 years since Mm -hmm. Gontroff came out in 1973, which it definitely really did. And we've got some special guests.
1: Should be a national
0: holiday. Yeah, it really should be. So we're just going to go dive right into our main topic. So here is that Gontroff celebration. All right. So we have very special guests to talk about Gontrav. With us, we have Perry Carpenter and Mason Amadeus. Perry and Mason run an amazing, amazing podcast called Digital Folklore. Would you guys want to tell us a little bit about what Digital Folklore is?
2: Yeah, we can give a shot. So Digital Folklore is a show that is all about our online lives and the way that we express ourselves and we look at things through the lens of academic folklore so we try to ask very sociological type questions but at the same time make it not too heady and too droll so we've wrapped things in a fictional universe and there's um, very weird offbeat stuff that tends to happen um mason has a raccoon in the show it's uh it's a fun, fun feast. It's a little bit like if Scooby-Doo had a documentary shoehorn into
3: it. So it's, it's kind of cartoonish, but with real information. So it's kind of a, a fun little playground to explore that. Mm-hmm. To teach and to learn about like what folklore is, because it's something that is... Not widely understood, but is crucially important.
0: Yeah. So to kick us off, we are talking about Goncharov today, which is a movie that does not exist. And so I thought it would be fun to do a little quiz. I'm going to give you four movie titles. One of them is a, is real, and I need you three to pick the mm. real movie. Oh, gosh. So I, the first one's a little bit of a gimme because we're talking about it, right? Goncharov mm-hmm. from the 1970s, directed by Martin Scorsese. Shazam from the nineties starring Sinbad. Kazam from the nineties starring Shaquille O'Neal. Interview with a vampire from the nineties based off the book of the same name. Which of these is a real movie? Wasn't
3: I hate I hate to say this, but I think it was Shazam, right? Because there was a whole Mandela effect about Kazam starring Shaquille mm-hmm. O'Neal, and that was a whole thing on the internet that I feel like I remember seeing. And I think it was a Sinbad movie, right?
1: Cherokee Perry, what do you guys think? Well, my thought was going to be Kazam, so now oh. I feel like I have been Mandala affected. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no,
0: for
2: me, the, the real one was Shazam because I think I was old enough to see it when it first came out. But oh. I could be remembering wrong. That's right, how Mandala so effect works, right? Yeah. We've
0: got yeah. two votes for Shazam and one vote for Kazam. Wh- is that which where one,
3: Which yes. one had Sinbad?
0: Shazam had Sinbad. The
3: one with Sinbad is the real one. The one with Shaq is a fake Mandela Effect one or just the alternate universe one.
0: So the real movie in this is Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal. No.
3: Oh no. (laughs) No. Oh
0: no. Look at that. (laughs) No. <laughs> Sinbad oh, no. and Shazam is, there is of course now a movie called Shazam starring Zachary Levi that's in the DC universe right. and the interview with a vampire was a little bit of a, of a tricky tricky one um, because this was a Mendel effect that I that happened to me earlier this year when I started watching the TV show. I've always remembered it as interview with a vampire. It's interview with the vampire which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But you, you mm. all seem to understand that that was incorrect. Yeah. But yeah, Kazam is a real movie. Shazam is not. But a lot of people do remember seeing a movie with Sinbad. <laughs> but it doesn't exist. I got double Mandela. You got double Mandela. Sorry. <laughs> <Darn it. laughs> <laughs> Would you guys want to quickly describe what the Mandela effect is? Because I have to I have to think that's something you encounter all the time in, in digital folklore.
2: Go for it, Mason. That
3: was something that it threw me for a loop when I first heard about it. It was the... Um, Oh, gosh, it's called the Mandela Effect because a lot of people remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison, mm-hmm. I think, in the uh, 80s. I might have that wrong, but Nelson Mandela did not. So, But a lot of this, it's the communal mass misremembering of things. So, like, the, the one that I related to the most was the Bernstein mm-hmm. Bears uh, is actually mm-hmm. the Berenstain Bears. Uh, and then people have been on the hunt for, like, there's, there's a popular picture of, the, of an old video cassette of the Berenstain Bears that was spelled that way. And that picture went viral as proof that we have shifted to an alternate universe right. in which this is now true. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah.
1: The the, the Berenstain Berenstein thing really got me too. That that threw me yeah. for a loop. I still don't really believe it. <laughs> well, I still don't know which is which. It conf- Every time I forget, I'm in too deep. <laughs> we are all occupying slightly different universes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do get into a lot of the, the internet culture th- stuff. And what, what one of the prevailing theories is for a lot of Mandela effects is that with the, uh, the Large Hadron Super Collider from... Um, oh, which one is that? CERN, it's the one in Sweden. Yeah, CERN. Uh, the last time they did that, they actually uh, inflicted a multiverse on everybody.
0: You know what? I believe it. And I like to think that there's a multiverse somewhere where I can actually watch Goncharov. It's a real movie that exists. <laughs> right.
1: Oh, there are multiple multiverses, I think, with Goncharov. There's the Goncharov like, cartoon in one, Mm. musical in Mm. another, you know, TV show in the next. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
3: But then what movie from our universe would they have made up in the Goncharov universe would, like?
1: Ooh, Titanic. Oh, it'd
2: have to be (laughs) Titanic. I was going to say The Matrix because it would just be ironic. Yeah, Um that
0: would be. That'd be very trippy. We should probably talk about what Gontrov is and how exactly it began. So Gontrov is a movie by Martin Scorsese uh, from the 1970s about uh, the mob. It's the greatest Mm -hmm. mob movie ever made, and it doesn't exist. It is a essentially mass (laughs) hallucination, but, but like a participatory hallucination that Tumblr had last fall that grew out of a post from... A few like a few years prior. Actually. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, a, of these boots that ha- are knockoff boots that have a fake sort of movie poster on the 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 tongue of the boot, and it and it says Martin Scorsese pre- presents Goncharov and then a bunch of other information. And this post floated around the internet for a couple of years. There's actually a Reddit post about it as well, and everybody's sort of speculating on like what it was, you know, trying to say what it was actually trying to be. Most people agree that it was that the real film I was trying to reference was Gamora from 2008. But then for some reason, last fall, Tumblr decided to pretend that this was a real movie and 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 make it so. Perry Mason, what was like the first thing that you saw about Gondra? Were you aware of this before we started to talk about it?
3: I was not. You were the first person I yeah. heard about it from. And I have no idea how I missed it because I love this so <laughs> much.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, um, so we had missed it, but... In fairness, it's really only been around a short amount of time. So yeah. the the first real inflection point was in November of 2022. And as we sit here recording this in early April, it's I mean, this thing blew up. Mm -hmm. like crazy within weeks. And there were several other things competing for people's attention at the time. Um, Of course, holiday season, but then also a lot of noise over on Twitter (laughs) because of (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, somebody taking that over Mm -hmm. and kind of forcing it downhill a lot, which I also think contributed to some of the stuff that was going on on Tumblr because you had this, you know, massive influx of new users trying to abandon ship from, uh, from Twitter as well. Yeah. And looking for something to f- have fun with. I have a timeline question. Mm-hmm.
3: You said the first appearance, was it just the picture of the boots in 2020 and the actual mm-hmm. yeah. the lore did not form until 2022? Correct. Okay.
0: The original poster actually no longer exists or the original post doesn't, uh, but it was from a Tumblr user called Zudi Koon. And then it got, yeah, it got t- tossed around Tumblr a little bit. Like I remember seeing it actually like eighteen months ago on my own Tumblr dash, because really? somebody commented like this loser hasn't even seen Goncharov because and it was and it was just like oh. a, you know a joke and then for whatever yeah. reason, in yeah November of twenty twenty two I think the first post that really blew up was a movie poster that somebody made of of a Goncharov movie poster and then Cherokee I mean you got to see behind the scenes this thing take flight what happened
1: (laughs) yeah so it I the that movie poster which you know cast the film and everything essentially created the you know framework in which everyone could kind of play with Goncharov right so I think that was really the catalyst and I'm looking right now at our at our last six months metrics and the metrics for Goncharov it is a like line straight up in the air on the line graph Overnight, genuinely overnight on the 21st of November there, it went from, you know, barely just a few searches for Goncharov, uh, like there were a few thousand starting on the 20th and on the 21st, there were over... 133,000 searches alone, 12,000 posts made, 212,000 reblogs. And this Jeez. is just on that one day. So it really was just like a powder keg. Just It was just like from zero to 100, zero to a million genuinely overnight. And that engagement kind of continued uh, for about a week on like a high level. And then it kind of slowed down around like mid to late December. But it was just such a huge like moment <laughs> that it happened. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even I feel like I logged on one morning and was like, what?
2: sorry, i've I've got a question on some of the the stats When you're doing those those analytics, do you have the ability to understand like what population that's coming from um, to see if there's some kind of uh, effect mm-hmm. due to age group or region or uh, anything else, you know, personal interests that that'd be really interesting to drill down into?
1: Oh, it's not unfortunately something uh, that at least I, with my yeah. uh, very basic statistics knowledge, know know how to access.
0: What what would you say? Cherokee is is likely the the Tumblr user base demographics. Like, is that something that?
1: Yes, I can share that with you. Tumblr is forty two percent Gen Z, thirty eight percent Millennial, and twenty percent Gen X and Boomer. We are, like, gender split is 56% female, 44% male, or identifying as. And mm-hmm. our biggest, our, like, our biggest user base is definitely in the U.S., uh, mm. And one kind of interesting thing that we do track is duplication across platforms. So, for example, mm. 74% of people who are on Tumblr are not on Snapchat. Interesting. 51% for TikTok, 48% for Twitter. So, Tumblr really is, people's, for those who are really active on Tumblr, it's their primary uh, social yeah. platform.
3: Half of Tumblr users mm. do not use TikTok correct that's buck wild to me especially yeah, given the breakdown wild of almost half being Gen yep. Z-hmm yeah. I do
1: think there was a big Exodus from other social platforms to Tumblr I like I feel like this is not a correct characterization but I always call Tumblr the anti-social social platform because you're so mm. much like <laughs> you're engaging about your passions with people you may not know it's kind of where you can kind of go to dive in and geek out uh, yeah. and you know just really like be unapologetically yourself often people are anonymous on there and I do think that kind of drove a lot just like we see a lot of Gen Z you know just like there's a, like a movement for flip phones because people were saying you know like I just nice. use people are starting to use their socials and other things just on their computers and keeping their phones to like reduce their screen time and so I do think it was very much like a rejection of like the social aspect of social media even though tumblr obviously is a very social platform but in a completely different way i feel than Mm -hmm. others i never see it as a competitor of other platforms because i think it's so different and like unique it's just a completely different beast very
2: artist friendly
1: yeah
3: this is a bit of a divergence but i'm super curious because i did not know that there was any sort of a push of people moving away from smartphones as their primary way of Mm -hmm. interacting with social media and back to computers that breaks my brain a little bit because i use my computer right. primarily for them but <laughs> I, I feel like and i feel old for doing that uh so you're telling me the kids are doing that now and it's cool again the, it's, it's have, cool to from have what a flip i have phone, heard yeah.
1: yes and i will say i have seen more and more flip phones when i'm just out and about kind of in the world wild no. with like the younger age groups yeah i feel like i've sound very hello fellow kids right now saying right? <laughs> but it's true like i do yeah i have like there has been uh, a distinct kind of shift away from smartphones and honestly i thought i saw that and i was like that sounds great i would love yeah. to yeah. not be yeah. glued to my phone all the time yeah
0: yeah i mean tumblr too the majority of users are desktop users right i mean i know it's like split kind of 50/50 but i use tumblr primarily on the desktop
1: it's I actually about it 80% uh, in the app
0: Oh, it is. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's so really, I'm just completely really, really wrong.
1: Yeah, but oh, which is interesting, Lauren, because interesting. I do feel like a lot of super users who are reblogging you know, dozens of things or hundreds of things do prefer the desktop experience. I definitely prefer using it on desktop just because like bigger screen, I can look at like, if I want to search a tag, I see a grid of the tags versus just one at a time. So it's just, you know, you can see, see more content at once, uh, which, so yeah, I prefer, I prefer the desktop experience also to see the themes that people pick out and have fun with. I just love that side uh, You should Yeah.
2: You should absolutely create a flip phone app though. (laughs)
1: <laughs> just to see what consumption uh-huh. is like yeah. on you that to, form factor. We used to have text to post. You could text a number, what you wanted Seriously? your post to say, and it would post on your Tumblr. Uh, uh, I think we I think the, we sunsetted that a few years off. ago. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> there's no take backs. Yeah. That's oh. hilarious. So um, I'll just I'll tell you a quick story because I'm you know in an upper demographic. I just turned fifty last year probably about the time Goncharov was going hot on, uh, on Tumblr. <laughs> and um, so I had used Tumblr a few years ago and had... Uh, you know, it didn't click with me at the time, but my kids are huge Tumblr users. And I was like, OK, you know, what, what's going on with Tumblr? Mm-hmm. And my son said, you know, it, this is where all these, you know, very niche groups of people hang out. Um, you know, he's he's um, both him and I are, are on the autism spectrum. So he said there's a whole bunch of neurodivergence there. Mm-hmm. Um They have a whole bunch of uh, friends that are you know spread across several different communities, and those communities are represented there as well. Um, And then he said, "Let me send you some of the the best posts that I've seen." And he sent this post about um, somebody that had a dream that they were uh, working at a delicatessen selling clown meat, and (laughs) you know just all of the all the interaction about. I think I've seen that post. you You know. what you know? What is clown meat? Is it human? Is it not human? And and what are the laws and the ethics surrounding this? And just the way everybody was piling onto this, you know, creating this this really interesting, rich discussion about clown meat. And I thought yeah. that that was fantastic.
1: Look only on what? Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really I really
0: do think that, that that and just like Goncharov in general is a thing that could only happen on Tumblr because yeah. of who the user base is and what they like to do and the way that they behave. And I, I think one of the things I really loved about Gontrov as it leaned into one of my favorite things about Tumblr, which actually we talked about on our last episode, which is mm-hmm. that Tumblr users will make fan art for literally anything. Like there will be just a nonsense yeah. text post and then there will be fan art for it all of a sudden. And so obviously like Gontrov was a, a huge wealth of, of just absolutely stunning fan art. But what was amazing, and here I will drop this um, this document in the chat here, is that somebody... Compiled a document of all of the Goncharov lore, the script excerpts, the scoring that people made, the casting. I pulled the the same
2: document. That master doc is amazing. It's incredible. The, the level of detail that's in that is crazy.
3: Can I just bring something up? That's the first thing I saw. Is the act of adding lore to the Goncharov story referred to as Gonching?
0: Is it referred to as Gonching? Well,
3: the very first line I, says there's a Discord server now for gaunching.
0: I think gaunching. I, I mean, I've seen gaunching used more generally to just mean like participating in the Goncharov fandom, mm-hmm. right? So like, I think that, I think that, you know, if you are just like playing along with the joke... I think you are gaunching. Rather, you don't necessarily have to yeah. be adding to the lore. And I also don't know, you know, I think that there's so much out there on Tumblr that's not in this document. That's probably not in the Discord that it but that is on Tumblr of people adding to the lore, people, you know, putting their head cannons for forward which in this case, a headcanon could easily become canon because there is no real canon. And so it does become a yeah. like, sort of democratic mm-hmm. system of like, OK, well, what, what posts are getting big enough that the people who are making these documents are hanging out and, the, and these discords are sort of making them official Gondrov lore?
2: Well, I mean, the, the cool thing about, you know, a master doc like that and some of the other um, posts that are that have been out there, so the, some of the other archival um, ways of managing this is that they are literally managing the canon in a lot of ways of saying, yeah. um, no, you can't, or at least you shouldn't try to create something that is directly competing with or conflicting with this other set of know, quote unquote facts that we've established or scene Mm -hmm. structures that we've established or casting or um, catchphrases or anything else. I think that it's fascinating to see the group agreement with that as well.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting just given the fan casting power of Tumblr as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always think about how many movies and shows have been fan cast on Tumblr before they were cast uh, elsewhere and they were completely accurate. Most recently, (laughs) Ben Barnes from Shadow and Bone as the Darkling, that was a Tumblr fan cast that, you know, became reality. And so I do think Tumblr sometimes somehow has this kind of hive mind where everyone just like agrees on the vibe or something because it really did feel yeah. like yeah this is the cast and this is the plot and obviously there's a big uh, deal with clocks like throughout as symbolism like duh
0: Tumblr is yes and personified right um, and yes, I think that's it. one of the mm. one of the things that I've loved too is I've seen some I'll have to I'll have to make sure to to reblog this ne- next time I see one of these posts but I've seen posts and certainly back in November when there was lots of gonching going on that are like you know modern au of Goncharov, and it's people like doing like posts about a fan au of canon that fans make like it's this and you know and mm-hmm. there's there's like five over 500 fics in the Goncharov tag on ao3 the largest fan fiction website so it's like i yeah yes ending just all the way down
2: <laughs> well and I think you hit on something there, though, when you talk about AO3, is is that the reason that something like this can take off so well on Tumblr is you do have a fantastic collection of creative people, creative Mm -hmm. writers, uh, artists, people who can put these things together, Um, and it's an outlet for them. So it's not just... Uh, trying to do something for the sake of doing it, something for the, the creative process and the community that they're wanting to uh, get involved in. And it would come out some other way if, if it didn't go into Goncharov.
1: Yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's built... with collaboration in mind you know it's Mm -hmm. it's so easy for people to kind of pile on a post uh, and we could we
2: could talk about that in a second too because that fits into what makes something viral is that Mm -hmm. participation piece and there's been a lot of studies on that
0: well i was gonna ask in terms of things like gondrov it it is it's like a fake Mandela effect, right? Because everybody sort of knows that it's fake. And it's this, it's this viral meme, but it's more than a meme. Are, are there in your digital folklore studies, are there things like this that you have come across before? And if there are, are there sort of any similarities across these different memes or viral things that sort of tell us about why people do stuff like this and how it happens?
2: Yeah, I th- i think so. I'll, I'll let, Mason chime in on this because I know that um, he probably has some thoughts. But, you know, one of the, the really interesting things about studying folklore has been the, the way that we see things used and misused. And mm-hmm. so one of the, one of the things, um, and as I was looking through a lot of the Tumblr comments on Goncharov, um, is that there was kind of an understanding that this is also an experiment in disinformation. Mm -hmm. to, To kind of see what can be created and what some people might believe is real. And so as they, um, you you did have groups of people that were trying to make official Wikipedia entries or edit Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese's page to include it. And it was like seven or eight times. Uh, yeah. And Wikipedia was like, please keep the purity of, you know, what is fact, fact, and what is not, not. And so you had people within the Tumblr community saying, um, we want to play by the rules. We're trying to show what dis- disinformation can look like, but we don't want to pollute legitimate sites because Mm -hmm. um, we we do want there to be objective truth out in the world. Um, And I I think that, you know, when you look at uh, 2015, 2016 on, we've seen the devastating effect that real disinformation can bring. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the population of Tumblr, you're seeing people who have really been grappling with that for a good chunk of their lives. It's not Mm -hmm. just the past few years for them. It's a big percentage of the life that they've lived. Um, And they're seeing that and they're saying, how do we, um, you know, how do we grapple with that? And something like Goncharov is one interesting expression of it. Um, And and as I was looking through it, seeing kind of, you know, the way that people were trying to police that and say, please stop editing real Wikipedia. Please stop trying to edit IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so on. Uh, but then they did get some, uh, you know, some some head nods. There's a TV Tropes page for it. There's, uh, um. you know, several other expressions. There's, you know, quote unquote, official soundtracks and sheet music and all mm-hmm. of these other fun expressions that if somebody is not of the mind of, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't dig a little bit deeper, they may actually think that this is a real movie. Like uh, one of the things that we studied, which was uh, Slender Man.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah, that is an interesting kind of alignment. And Slender Man led, you know, to, yeah, to real,
0: real life harm, which is, is, you know, that happens a lot with disinformation, as you alluded to.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mason, what were some of the, the artifacts that were out there for Slender Man?
3: Yeah, my, I mean, my first thought was that there are definitely parallels to Slender because that was also, you know, a lighthearted thing at the start. Horror-themed, but it was just everyone right. contributing little bits.
2: Started in a comedy form. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um,
0: right, yeah.
3: And with Slenderman, there was like the German woodcuts, the, the faked German woodcuts, and like old paintings and tapestries and people uh, making that sort of evidence. But it was, all of the examples I'm thinking of are more decentralized in a way whereas like most of this happened on tumblr there was a central mm-hmm. platform where everyone was working on this whereas Slenderman started on a comedy forum kind of gained popularity there and then spread to other places of the internet that then added more to it like the youtube series marble hornets did a significant amount of lore and world building which influenced mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. creating in the space um and so it, it spread really far off the initial platform really quickly. And in in a way, memes are also like an an example of this in the sense of they gain so much social metadata as they're passed around and new layers Mm -hmm. of meaning are added to them. But that again is so decentralized. I think the, I don't know what it is about Tumblr specifically that makes it such a (laughs) magical little ground for growing this kind of thing. But because it it all happened there and is able to have like, someone posts like, I'm making a a Google Doc and we're going to, add things to it and it's everything being available in the same space and worked on by this community. And it seems largely like it's stayed there. I don't know for sure, but it's not like people on Twitter are now filled over into
2: Twitter a little bit and, and people on Twitter didn't know what to do with it. So some people thought it was, (laughs) some people thought it was fun and other people were like, what the heck dude, this is kind of lame. I don't know what's going on here, but you know, the, one of the, the, the interesting things kind of, you know, thinking about this, um, kind of grappling with what truth is and thinking about disinformation is in folklore, there is the concept of fake lore, which is hmm. where people will create um, you know, non-genuine folklore, which is, you know, exactly what fake lore sounds like. But it's usually, there. there's a purpose behind that. That purpose is usually either creative, you know, for the sake of uh, writing a book and I'm going to, um, you know, create an alternative version of Little Red Riding Hood or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. my own version of, of anything out there, or even something whole cloth, but then say this originated from some kind of German mythology when it never did. Um, but then the the darker way of doing that is to kind of other people and to say that mm-hmm. um, you know that is, they're trying to reflect some kind of um, dark prejudice or something like that in whatever lore they create. And um, folklorists and uh, anthropologists uh, really are struggling with that, I think, in the age that we're in right now, because as we saw with Goncharov and we saw with Slenderman and so on, it's so easy now to pollute the real record of things, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, and so you can potentially go in, and in something that's not policed well, you could potentially go in and edit a real Wikipedia page, or mm-hmm. um, or something else, and uh, you know, in an older post, and make it look like this thing exists, or that there's evidence of something that reflects a much darker purpose than the fun-loving, you know, stuff that we see with Goncharov.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, first off, they have now locked Scorsese's Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Jeez. But uh, it also makes me think of, uh, when you're talking about going in and kind of replacing something uh, and making it something new, it makes me think of back in the early Tumblr days when you could edit someone else's post if you reblogged mm. it and switched out, and switch out the image. Yes. And so there yeah. were a bunch of kind of Tumblr heritage posts that were getting cycled around. I think one was like, Jensen Ackles, like, in, like, a gym uniform or something. And people kept, like, switching out the photo, but changed it. And so people had no idea where this post started, which was the original. And there were just dozens of iterations, if not a whole lot of just across Tumblr. Uh, and so, that's yeah. that's
0: something that really can only exist on Tumblr, right? Because I, I think that, that Tumblr ha- used to have this incredibly unique... Quality in which you could edit somebody's original
1: post in the reblog, yeah. which is
0: wild, and that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> but what is a thing still is that if I make a post and it gets reblogged a bunch, and then I edit the original post, that that those edits don't show up in the reblog, right? And yeah. so mm-hmm. there, and and so that that's a thing too, where people, you know, will make jokes with you know posting a particular text or particular image they'll let it get reblogged bunch and then they will change the original post and eventually someone will say like click through to the original and there will be like a fun little like rick roll or surprise or you oh, know nice! Line. and that's not something that any other platform Has Because, I mean, most most platforms, you know, like Twitter, I know, has introduced an edit button for some people. But I think that then if the retweets, I mean, who knows what's going on on Twitter? I'm not going to pretend to understand how the infrastructure of that place works anymore. But um, (laughs) it is it is a unique facet of Tumblr for sure.
2: Well, they've I mean, Twitter's been dealing with um, tons of iterations of like, you know, how do we deal with the fact that people do play with truth? Um, on a massive mm-hmm. scale for mm-hmm. you know, for much darker purposes, I think, on a platform like Twitter or Facebook than on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Because Twitter or Facebook, it's not really about creativity. Uh, it's about making a point or trying to deceive somebody for a very dark purpose. Um, I remember when uh, when Musk uh, said, hey, everybody can be Twitter blue now if you just you know pay eight bucks or whatever, uh, not really believing that people would do bad things with that. And then, of yeah. course, right when he made that a thing. Everybody started, you know, creating these fake accounts that looked like verified accounts, and you know, causing stock, mm-hmm. you know, stocks to tumble, um, you know, people's uh, reputations to be damaged, and so on. It's like, oh, okay, I guess that may be a bad idea. People aren't just fun-loving on the internet. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and I, I think I think the the disinformation aspect I hadn't really thought about that in. In relation to Goncharov, because I think in my mind, like Goncharov is such like it's such a meme. It's a it's a it's yeah. sort of mass joke. But but you're right in that it, it sort of fits into the same modes as a lot of dis- disinformation. And this is a, a little bit of a, a, of a tangent. I won't linger in, in it for too long because it's you know disinformation gets depressing very quickly. But. I subscribe to a lot of newsletters and follow a lot of journalists who have been working in, in dis and misinformation for the last couple of years. It's sort of like a special interest of mine. And it's been really interesting to see over the last, I would say, six to nine months, a lot of those journalists who have been absolutely mired in this particular topic for years and years and years are are not using the terms disinformation and misinformation anymore. Because some of them have, have kind of come to the conclusion of, Like there's one newsletter that I read called control alt Right delete which I think is a great newsletter title.
3: (laughs) That's a phenomenal title. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And um, that writer talked about this um, back in, I think, December, about how when we're dealing with these darker aspects of disinformation, especially as it pertains to, you know, extremists in this country it's not about misinformation or what's true anymore. It's about a completely separate constructed reality that people have chosen to live in. And that's where disinformation as a term kind of meets its limit because it, it doesn't matter to them that it's not true because it fits into their constructed reality. And I think that Gontraff is sort of like a, a a very lighthearted version of that, right? Like it's, it's just a, a version of reality that we are collectively creating in which this movie exists and, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what's true about it because the purpose of of the meme is that it's it's an alternate version of reality.
3: What I think is so fascinating about that particularly, though, is that I I, nobody who's engaging in this is thinking of it like that. You know, no one in there is thinking like, ah, yes, I am creating an alternate (laughs) version of reality engaging in these folkloric practices. It's just like. Oh, this is fun and creative. <laughs> and like how naturally we do that as humans of just like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, this is fun. Let me just pile in and join in. Um, it's just, it's, it's super cool to me. And I'm really curious about what it is about Tumblr because it's like you were talking about with the fan casting and everything else. It really is a very particular ground for this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I I mean, honestly, it, I think a big aspect of it is that Tumblr is the, not the home to, but a home of Fanfic, fan art, headcanons, creating, you know, your own world within the parameters of the media that you consume and that you love. So Goncharov was just a new exciting challenge or journey or like opportunity here because fanfic could become fan fact in the context of uh, which i think was very exciting for our user base who you know this was a this was kind of primed for them to to mm-hmm. dig their teeth into or to dig their claws into whatever the whatever the term is that i'm looking for mandala effect is, let's let's call it that uh- <laughs> well
0: and i think that i do, i do think that there is something unique about Tumblr's infrastructure and like the way that actually Tumblr functions practically as a platform. And Mason, mm-hmm. r- earlier when you were talking about sort of the decentralized memes, I'm really curious to to hear what you think about how the actual like user interface of a platform can affect something and keep it there or, you know, take it elsewhere. Because I think another thing with Tumblr and, and I think... Tumblr now is very much, yes, the home of fandom on the internet. Like Sure, there's fandom on TikTok and on Twitter, but like Tumblr has mm-hmm. just sort of always been that. But I think it became that because of the way in which reblogs work, the way that the dashboard works, the way that you can have a Tumblr account and have a bunch of sub-blogs that you can post to. Mm-hmm. So you can have your Marvel sub-blog, you can have your DC Comics so that they don't overlap because mm-hmm. some people really like to keep their their fandom blogs very specific. Whereas if you want to do that on Twitter, you would have to create separate accounts for each new Twitter profile. And yeah. when it comes to something like Slenderman, like why does that thrive outside of a particular platform?
3: Did, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, and it brushes up against something yeah. that I was thinking, like Tumblr supports very well, natively, all sorts of media that you can include in a post. Like it, mm-hmm. even audio right. posts, which is not something you really see anywhere else. Um, But, you know, you can do photos and videos and quotes and reblogs and things like that, uh, all in ways that are presented very well. Whereas like video on Twitter is like a compromise from a user element standpoint because it Mm -hmm. was added Mm. in later and it doesn't super fit with the design, Um, you know,
2: and. A lot of platforms are... Or, or text on Instagram or text on TikTok. You know, it, there's there's yeah. no good mixed-mode experience in a lot of these things. I mean, Facebook is pretty close, but mm-hmm. Facebook has its own demographic issues. Right. Um, and legacy, you know, legacy baggage. Yeah. But... You know, I, I think when you look at, at uh, platforms, you do have to think about how do I want to interact on platform X? And it has to be tailored to that. I think Tumblr um, is very much, it's, it caters towards somebody that needs to express themselves, period. Yuck. And it's going to mm. let them do that um, versus like TikTok, where you, you do have to f- be fairly comfortable with doing something on video. But mm-hmm. TikTok itself is also it's a you know, it is a folklore factory in a lot of ways, because mm. It allows you to create something and then it can let somebody else become part of the conversation by stitching or duoing or something like that. So you can get some you can get this, you know, cat making a weird noise, and then somebody else can go in and put guitar behind that. And then somebody else could go, Oh, I hear a drum part in my head. Let me put that. And then before you know it, you have this, you know, nice. Really, rocking symphony of a of a cat doing its thing, <laughs> yeah. and it's just gone around. It's gone through several different iterations, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Tumblr does that, but in a much more uh, multi mode type of way. So you can get all these different uh, creative vibes. You know, somebody else, you know, somebody's a great writer. Somebody's a great uh, manipulator of imagery. Somebody else is, you know, going to create music and and so on, and it just comes together in a, a very full way
1: yeah mm-hmm. and I like how on on Tumblr, like as you said, like you can kind of build posts exactly how you want to see them and then you can also add on to people's posts in kind of whatever media you want as well you can yeah. log and add a poll mm-hmm. or a photo or a gif or whatever it is. And so I think you kind of see like, Like the rings of a tree, you know, like when you look at a post, you kind of see like the journey that it's taken uh, across all these people's blogs, especially when it's one of those posts that becomes, you know, like like a reblog tree where people are just adding or reblog chain where people are just adding on uh, their own kind of take. I think it was the, was it the Mr. Sandman, Man Me a Sand, like that collaborative kind of. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: So like they, so they, they made up an
1: entire song. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. Nice. Thank you for
3: re-unlocking well, that in my brain. Um, <laughs> we interviewed Dr. Vivian Asimos for our episode on Slenderman. And one of the things we talked to her about was uh, what how the internet has changed folklore. And one of the things she mentioned that stuck with me is how basically the platforms it's created on end up shaping it and seeing how it takes form. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense to think of this one. This is largely text, uh, and it comes from Tumblr, which home of text posts and fanfics, but also has the uh, the graphic design element and things like that.
2: Uh, but I thought, well I think you you know you mentioned fanfiction. I, I think mm. that is the heart yeah. of this is you have a lot of people yeah. that are you know their heart is in story. And their heart is in creating, you know, big things. And mm-hmm. uh, they had this, you know, chance to come together collectively and, and do that. I, the, you know, the other thing, um, going back to folks that we interviewed on the, on, on the Slender Man side, we had that introduction of, you know, the concept of the woozle effect, mm. which is, um, it comes from a, a Winnie the Pooh story where, you know, uh, Pooh and, and uh, Piglet were following their own footsteps in circles. Uh, thinking that that would lead them out of the woods. And it's become this uh, term that's been used to describe where um, somebody's evidence of a thing. Is actually the fact that they did the thing. Somebody else did the same thing, um, mm-hmm. and so you end up with uh, you know circular footnotes and things or references that that, um, that the reason that this thing is true is because there's this other thing is true that actually points back to the first thing, um, and so it becomes really hard to deconstruct. And I think there are elements of uh, uh, of that in Goncharov as well. There's been so much ancillary creation around that that somebody could point to the reality of it by finding one of these you know third fourth fifth generation pieces of uh, of content that somebody created you know the fact that there's a a musical score for it yeah that's, uh, that that is that's a very interesting piece of evidence for a thing
1: yeah, the only yeah. thing about this film that doesn't exist is the film itself. Every other yeah. aspect yeah. of it has been completely fleshed out. <laughs> well, and you even
2: have uh, Martin Scorsese in a, in, a, in a text chain saying, Yeah, mm-hmm. I did that movie several years ago. Yeah. 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 Which is
0: incredible. And, and, I, yeah, I've seen some people on Tumblr sort of joking about like, what would happen if somebody I've ever you know, actually made Gondroff. Like, would that ruin yeah. the joke? They would, or would get it be skewered. the ultimate culmination? Yeah. Or... And I, I think the, the woozle effect is is something that, that I was thinking about just in terms of how hard it can be to, yeah, find the starting point of all of these things, but also to know where to start when looking into these things. And I think yeah. Tumblr especially can be, you know, intimidating to people sometimes in terms of jumping into it as a platform. I'm really curious for you, too, when you are picking a topic, whether it's Slenderman or you want to learn about Gontroff, where do you start? Like, what's the first thing that you do? What, what are the, the, the places you go to, the, the modes you take to try and untangle this web?
3: We, at the moment, at least for season one, have kind of gone with broader themes to explore, like the, the Slenderman one was exploring a folkloric concept of Ostension, which is when someone in real life acts out parts of a story or parts of a story come to fruition. And Slenderman was a good example. And so was the Momo phenomenon. And so then in the other one, we're exploring uh, alternate reality games and like folk groups. So it's kind of as to where that started. I think it just sort of comes from aggregating a couple of different like neat things we've heard about. And then following that trail a little bit deeper and seeing what that intersects with, and trying to find a, yeah. a point in between mm. to to take things on, um, I I feel like that's true. Because if I have to give like the yeah. perfect, complete, honest answer, I have like no idea. You know how whenever <laughs> whenever you <laughs> yeah. set to start something, you have this idea, and then no matter what, the act of doing it makes it something totally different. That definitely mm-hmm. happens a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we do. We start with these broad ideas of something like, um, you know, the mimetic nature of something might be a theme, and then we want to find five examples of that. And so, um, Goncharov could be, you know, mimetic in some ways. It's it, it's mm-hmm. you know more than just a meme, but it is very mimetic in the way that it spread. Um, then we would get into topics like virility, um, and you might look at Goncharov versus like uh, Bernie Sanders and mittens. You know, that, Mm. you know, what what was the reason that potentially that one of these actually both of those exploded? Uh, But what were the what were the factors involved in that? Well, you know, after uh, with Gontarov, you've got um, kind of the implosion of Twitter. You've got, um, you know, just the natural uh, uh, group of people that that like to hang out on Tumblr. Um, There's probably three or four other factors that we could find that may have contributed to that with Bernie Sanders. Um, you have, uh, as you look at um, several aspects of virility, you have, um, you know, ordinary people, um, you, you have heightened emotion, you have uh, something, you know, people that are just looking for fun. You also have at the end of a very, very rough political season and everybody mm-hmm. needing to collectively exhale and laugh mm-hmm. a little bit. And so you mm-hmm. saw people, regardless of where they were on the political spectrum, agreeing, this is a great image. And sharing that in so many different ways. And there's there's probably two reasons for this. One is because I found it in a book uh, called Memes in Digital Culture. And it is it is from the Mandela effect of uh, the Mandela version of Lauren. Um, this is from a, uh, somebody named Lamore Schiffen. Um, and the, the name sounds so weird. close to yours yeah, in, a, in to a weird, in a weird alternate universe type of way. Oh my um, god! But,
1: <laughs> From the multiverse, yourself. where Goncharov exists, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: and yeah. and uh, in her book on memes and this is a little bit uh, it's like 10 years old at this point that this book came out um, but she wrote uh, about a study from uh, Jonah Berger and uh, and uh, Katie Milkman and they talked about the five P's of what makes something go viral and mm. so or actually the, the six p's um, And so one is positivity so it's something that people can enjoy can have fun in they can celebrate. Uh, another one is provoking high arousal emotions, um, mm-hmm. and that's usually things like anger or joy, um, celebration. Um, uh, another one is, is packaging, just the way that it looks, the way that it feels, um, prestige uh, of you know may, maybe being associated with somebody great like Martin Scorsese or mm-hmm. um, you know if we were to do it. Uh, you know, something this year with the Matrix, or not the Matrix, uh, with John Wick four coming out. You might do something with uh, Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. um, positioning. You know, uh, and then the last one is participation is can everybody pile on to this thing? And I think when you look at. Um, you know, something like Goncharov or Bernie's Mittens or uh, a lot of these other things that have just gone crazy, it is because you see uh, several of these things lining up in just the perfect way. Um, and mm-hmm. it was it was fun to kind of look through that uh, that lids of the, the way that uh, certain academics have tried to measure the mimetic nature of something or the viral nature of something and, and try to look at that and see whether these things match up or not.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's that's really interesting because it sort of relates yeah. to a book that I'm I'm reading right now called uh, Because Internet, which is yeah. about the, the, the yeah the history of sort of internet language and one of the things that she talks about in it in the chapter that I just read was specifically around early memes, um, as we think of of memes, right? So like little cats and Doge and and these various things and sort of the impact yeah. font memes and how in the beginning. They were existing in a very specific community because of the amount of effort that it took to make them. And then when Mm -hmm. sort of meme maker websites came to fruition, all of a sudden they exploded. And I think that that's... I think that the ability to participate and the ease of participation is so important and something that definitely lends itself to the Gontrov phenomenon. Because, yes, you can be a beautiful visual artist or an incredible writer and write script, you know, pieces or write music or whatever it is. But you can also just be a person with a Tumblr account who, like, makes a post about a moment in Gontrov like you would talk about a moment in a movie. And because there's no sort of one true source, everybody's participation is is equal. And I think that's really unique. Yeah. I love the internet <laughs> yeah yeah so much. absolutely and it would not be dashboard diaries if we didn't end the show with our feels corner cherokee what is giving you feels this week
1: the feels i'm getting this week are terrified but those are it's still an emotion it's still a feeling i am watching yellow jacket oh season two i don't know if you watch this show Lauren, I do. <laughs> but oh my did you see the newest episode i haven't
0: seen the newest one yet i've only seen the first one of the season
1: Oh my Lauren. Oh my. So yeah, I am I love yellow jackets. I have watched the first season two or three times, I think. Uh, and I just love the mystery of it. It's so much fun. So yeah, really stoked about uh, about this season of yellow jackets and secession. Of course. Succession, not Succession. succession <laughs> just came back. And you know, as a as a Tom Gregg truther. I uh, I'm very excited. Oh, the to have, disgusting have brothers my favorite duo back. <laughs> 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 what about you Lauren? What has you in your feels? You know, it's uh it's going
0: to be Star Trek Next Gen again. I I think I've mentioned this mm. on the podcast before, but my partner and I have been watching through the whole series. We're in season 5 now, and we just watched an episode last night called The Outcast that was made in 1992 and this it's this like beautiful trans allegory about like the 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 strictures of gender being a prison and people you know being able to choose how they want to express their gender it was made in 1992 and it's Mm -hmm. amazing and so I just I really love seeing stuff from 30 years ago that is you know so heartfelt and so progressive it just makes me very very hopeful so that's been a that's been a highlight and then earlier this same season uh was the very famous episode darmok which made me cry so get emotional over old tv
1: shows that's my recommendation for this week (laughs) Uh, love to get emotional over old tv shows so go back and watch gontrov old film exactly tv show but still (laughs) it absolutely will put you in your feels it really will (laughs) And
0: with that, I'm Lauren Chippen, and you can find me at thelaurenschippen.tumblr.com.
1: I am Cherokee McAnally. And you can find me at overshares, O-V-E-R-C-H-E-R-S, pun very much intended, .tumblr.com. The pun very much intended is not a part of the URL. Just flag <laughs> This has been Dashboard Diaries. And may your Anans always be loving. Your Dash always refresh. Your gifts always be loading. And your ships always canon. May
0: the fix reading always be finished.
1: And the answers you seek always in the reblogs.
0: Thanks for scrolling with us.